Hi, I'm Tim Penketh, founder and CEO of thefutureeconomy.ca. Welcome to our podcast. Join me in conversation with the Canadian business leaders, policymakers, entrepreneurs, academics, and more who are shaping Canada's future economy. We'll explore their vision for Canada's future and what we need to do now to get there. Today, I'm joined by Chris Overholt, President and CEO of Overactive Media, to talk about the future of Canada's burgeoning esports and video gaming industry. We explore the economic and innovation opportunities in this growing sector and what's ahead for the Canadian companies pioneering the space. I asked Chris about the tech innovations shaping esports, as well as the supports needed from government and the industry itself to drive further growth in what he defines as the future of entertainment. Chris even thinks that esports could soon be one of the biggest sports in the world and foresees a place for esports in the next Olympics. Find out what he thinks needs to be done and by who to make Canada a leader in this important sector of the future economy. Hi. I'm Chris Overholt, President and CEO of Overactive Media. Well, Chris, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me today. Uh, I'm really excited about this one. It's a really cool sector that you're in, so I want to learn about it and what it means for Canada's future. Thanks, Tim. Great to be with you. Awesome. Let's start with uh, Overactive Media and, and what you are, what you do. From what I understand, is an esports and entertainment company. Uh, and what I've read is that you define your mission as redefining the future of entertainment. So first of all, what do you guys do? And within that mission, what does that future of entertainment look like to you? And what are the trends or forces that you see shaping its future? Well, there's quite a bit in that question. Um, let's go back to where we started. We actually just crested past our fourth anniversary. Uh, we started the company in the fall of 2018. I was employee number one on October 1st, 2018. And um, for perhaps those that are watching that don't know, my background is 25 years uh, in, in various sporting um, and entertainment businesses. I started my career in 1996 with the Toronto Raptors and, uh, and over uh, a measure of time spent time with the Florida Panthers Hockey Club, with the Miami Dolphins, and then subsequent uh, nine years, uh, almost nine years, leading the, the Canadian Olympic Committee as its CEO. So uh, a long history of sport, and it's, it's um, quite germane to what we believe we're building here. This is a generation of fans millennials and Gen Zs and soon after them, Gen Alphas. This is a generation that thinks differently about their sports and media entertainment choices. It's a generation that that um, candidly does not, is not inclined to sit and watch three hours of, of college football or maybe even two and a half hours of, a, of an NBA basketball game. But they are inclined to spend a lot of time looking at Twitch and YouTube, following their favorite esports teams, gamers and influencers. And it's out of that premise that uh, Overactive Media was born just four years ago. The Future Economy that's here has quite a wide audience. We cover a whole bunch of sectors. And I realize I should have asked this uh, one question before. Um, for people in my generation and maybe a bit older, how would you describe esports? What are esports and what does that look like in terms of being a, a spectator or a participant within that ecosystem? Yeah, perfect question. Uh, the way I would probably best and most aptly describe it would be, again, in a sports context, particularly for those perhaps that are watching that um, are of my generation or even slightly younger. But for all of us that have grown up watching competitive sports, and I'll use Call of Duty as an example, there are 240 million global players of Call of Duty. Um, the way I think of these leagues is they're the highest expression of competitive play in the representative sample of, of global player base. 
And so if we use the NHL as an example, there are 750 NHL players. Those are the best players in the world to play in the biggest and most important hockey league in the world. And there are 60 players of the 240 million that play Call of Duty on the planet. There are 60 that play professionally as the highest expression of that game played competitively. And five of them play for us here in Toronto for our Toronto Ultra. So at the very apex of competitive play, at the very peak of the triangle, esports in these franchise leagues in particular that we're invested in is the highest expression of that game played. Reaching out from there, there are a collection, you know, tearing down in that pyramid of, of um, development. There are a collection of players that are on a path to pro that play in, you know, uh, academy teams or in challenger leagues that are up and coming to these games. There is an ecosystem of talent identification and player development that are built out around these game titles, no different than sport. And that's the distinction that I would draw, uh, say, next to the, the phrase of gaming. Gaming is, um, is, you know, could be broadly used to define any player, anybody who enjoys, you know, putting a controller in their hands or setting up against a, a PC rig to, uh, to play their favorite game, whatever, uh, whatever that might, um, might involve. And, you know, springing from the gaming community, there have been a collection of streamers and influencers and content creators that live on platforms like Twitch and YouTube and others that uh, are entertainment in their own right. And, um, and again, are representative of some of the fan base that also follow esports. So it's a very, most people wouldn't understand, but it's a very well-developed ecosystem around gaming and esports broadly. And to give your, um, your viewers a sense of just how significant it is globally, the combination of the music and movie business globally is not as big as the gaming industry is today. And so it really has um, received a lot of notoriety, I would say, in the last several years because of the onset of some of these franchise leagues and, you know, the, the mainstream understanding of platforms like Twitch and, of course, YouTube. But this has been uh, this has been arriving to us and arriving to the pop culture scene for now most of. 10 years in North America and well more than 20 years around the world. Awesome. Well, let's let's refocus it on Canada then. Uh, that's where you're based and that's what we're focused on. So when we speak about esports and that whole industry, that whole ecosystem, what are the opportunities that you see for Canada and our companies, our entrepreneurs and other stakeholders within that space? I do see there will be other opportunities in cities like Montreal or Calgary, or um, certainly um, there's an Overwatch team in Vancouver, and the, the owners of that team also play their Call of Duty uh, team out of Seattle. So there will be other market development opportunities, I think, in Canada for those that are interested in the space. But in the context of Toronto, again, um, we're unique in, in our position. And at present, at least, we're um, certainly the leaders in Canada in that context. That gives us all kinds of opportunity from a business perspective to build out our business model and, and our, our thesis around the development of overactive media as a 21st century sports media and entertainment company. It gives us a unique and authentic reach to today's generation of fans. It gives us a connection, frankly, that even some of the mainstream sports and teams that we love are struggling with. You know, I speak to my friends who hail from traditional sports and who, you know, have been involved in the sales and marketing of teams in places like Dallas and Oklahoma City and right here in Toronto. And certainly there's some measure of conversation going on around how we reach today's generation with sports like hockey and basketball. Uh, again, our unique position in all of this is that we do that very authentically. You know, for those who follow our Toronto Ultra or our Toronto client team, 
um, again, we're able to deliver to our sponsors a reach and connection. Um, and our fans get behind our sponsors and our marketing partners because they see that they're supporting our team and something that they love and, and really enjoy spending time against. So, um, again, it's, it's unique for us in those ways. In Canada today, our research tells us that there are 5.7 million declared fans of gaming and esports in this country, as compared to uh, just a little over 10 million identified NBA fans. So think about that for a moment. The NBA has been present in Canada for now more than 25 years, or coming up on its 25th year, in fact. And esports is really in the bottom of the first inning in baseball terms, based on the work that we and others have done here since just 2018. So we feel like we've got a really good running start at a really big addressable market opportunity. And when you widen the scope of, of maybe where you place the boundaries of what the esports ecosystem is in Canada, and I'm thinking maybe out to tech companies or out to gaming creation studios, um, how do you define the opportunities for them and other stakeholders to be involved in this amazing growth? I think we're going to see massive change in that regard. And we're starting to see it in the context of the blockchain and Web3. Um, influencers and creators, uh, there's a, a creator that's enjoyed wild popularity for years, Dr. Disrespect. He's just built his own game and he intends to launch it on the blockchain in the coming weeks and months. Um, I think we're going to see rapid change in this space. And anybody who's looked in on it and can't make sense of it, I would just say to them, um, make no assumptions about the way that we're consuming these game titles or the, or the medium of gaming itself or, or the sports uh, that are identified as esports. Make no assumptions that we're going to be watching it or consuming it or experiencing it in the same ways today, even three years from now. Think about all the technology that we've all started to be witness to and think about its applications, AR and VR technology that I think can truly change the player experience and will change the player experience, but also how you consume that. And we've seen this already in sport. Um, I think it was just two years ago for the first time, the NCAA uh, experimented with um, Oculus goggles that you could wear at home emulating the experience that you would have if you were sitting courtside to watch that NCAA game. Certainly it's not in that context, it's not beyond the realm that if you're playing a game or consuming an esport as a fan, that you might be able to put on your, your VR goggles and actually sit inside the gameplay, watch and experience what the character in the game, not the, not the player, but the character in the game is experiencing. I think all of these things are gonna be step change opportunities for our industry that will only drive its popularity, only drive its engagement and consumption. So I'm pretty excited about what technology represents in the context of our teams. I'm equally excited about how that, that same technology and others like it will represent our fan experience inside the venue that we're intending to build here in Toronto. But that's another conversation for another time. Well, uh, why? <laughs> Is there anything you can share about that? How, do, how does that fit into the plan and what's the vision there? Well, we're working on it, but listen, when we started the company, uh, much like John Vitov years ago, when we started the Raptors organization, uh, John had the vision that if you were going to own your basketball franchise in the NBA, you should own your own venue. And um, I don't know whether you remember those days, but there was quite a, bot of, or quite, a, quite a lot of discussion around whether the Leafs or the Raptors should be building a new building. And then, of course, ultimately, we all came together and, and built the Air Canada Center. Similarly, when we started Overactive Media, um, all of us who started the company started talking about the venue that, you know, we should presuppose for our two teams here. And um, 
and more than that, we saw an opportunity to really take a quantum leap in terms of our entertainment strategy if we could identify a, tr a tranche of land that could be well suited to building a, a performance venue, a venue that could serve as the convenient home for our two esport teams, but also give us a competitive position in the market to attract the premier uh, music and entertainment acts that landed this market. You know, Toronto is the fourth largest market in North America now, and our friends at Live Nation tell us it's the fifth global market for music and entertainment for them. And yet, there's for now most of 25 years, there's really only been one significant venue for any of those premier acts to play, and that venue's conflicted out 100 nights a year between basketball and hockey as a start. So that seemed like an opportunity for us as we were thinking about the strategic pillars for Overactive Media as a sports media and entertainment company, our bold step in, into entertainment will be when we open the doors on our 7,000 seat performance venue. We were fortunate to um, be able to secure rights to develop a tranche of land down at the exhibition grounds, uh, just adjacent to the Stanley Barracks across the street from Ontario Place. Uh, and we're very near, having been working on that file for just about two years, we're very near to being able to put a shovel in the ground, we think, middle of next year. And with just about a 30 to 36-month build, we think we can be open in 2026 with a brand new state-of-the-art performance venue where we can do 180 to 200 nights a year in music and entertainment and gala dinners and award shows and certainly esports. But in that moment, overactive media will be differentiated globally in its position as, again, a 21st century sports media and entertainment company. We'll take our sports roots in our esports origin, our entertainment strategy, and ultimately, I believe, our media strategy at some level will emulate from our desire and intention to open up this venue. Sounds amazing. And uh, as a big music fan, I look forward to it uh, personally. Um, I want to bring us back to that ecosystem and what you see as the opportunities for it within within Canada. You spoke about this. Um, well, obviously, we have your company that is on the the esports talent side of things, uh, running the games, having the players, owning the teams. You mentioned that there's a lot of tech applications that are going to come in and really transform how we play and how uh, audience members as well experience this uh, this. Well, I was going to say new form of entertainment, but I guess it's just new for me. This form of entertainment. Um, is there a recognition within Canada between all those players uh, that there is a big opportunity for us to to seize? And are the necessary collaborations that are that are needed for Canada to win in that space being created and being recognized and being supported so that we can, again, carve out our niche within that opportunity? The best evidence that the marketplace understands the opportunity here would probably be born out of the, the wonderful marketing partnerships that we've been able to generate uh, in support of our teams and our overall business here. Partners like Red Bull, I'm standing in the Red Bull studio. We have 16,000 square feet here in Liberty Village. Uh, our Red Bull studio is uh, capable of holding about 200 people. Our, our players play here when they play online. We hold fan events here. We hold events for other organizations that are interested in the space and, and the story around esports and gaming broadly. Uh, TD Bank is uh, a proud partner of Overactive Media's for years now and, and, uh, and the, the developing partner of our player lounge. And we've just been renovating and refreshing all of that. Uh, Bell 5 is, of course, a leading technology in Canada brought to you by Bell and a real difference maker for our organization and for our players. Uh, they sponsor all of our 
um, all of our practice facility area. So we've got partners that are engaged in big ways. And, you know, I could go on and on. We have 24 global partners at last count, combination of here in Canada and reaching over into Europe. And many, I would say, for probably most looking in on this discussion, you know, many surprising what I would term non-endemic partners like a bank. We have Imagine Bank in um, in Spain. And, you know, it's not just, you know, keyboards and mice and, and, and panel displays. It, this is uh, this is an industry and a sector that is truly relevant, again, and speaks to and connects with an entire generation that the biggest brands, whether they be endemic to our space or non-endemic seeking to, to, to build connection, um, they know that they need to be thinking about gaming and esports in a, in a, in a broad way. And so I think that's probably the strongest indication that we have. This was a business that didn't exist for us just two and a half years ago. And today is just about 50% of our revenues and significant in that. I would say, um, you know, certainly Ubisoft in Montreal, uh, there are a number of uh, EA, I think in, in BC, there are a number of existing game publishers that are present here in Canada and, and doing great work to market and develop the game strategies. Uh, but there's room for more. And I think you're going to see, especially with the advent of Web3 and um, and the development of, of the blockchain in the context of gaming and play to earn opportunities for players um, and, and being able to tokenize rewards inside games and maybe create portability among games. I think you're going to see a lot of really exciting and fun things develop that will empower the player base, have them even more engaged. Um, think about what gambling did for the NFL. Uh, we're also going to see the impact of, of gambling on esports. There are companies that have secured licenses here in Canada and, and in Ontario that are wholly dedicated to the idea of gambling around esports. And so the combination of all these things, and particularly, I think, um, you know, Web3 and, and blockchain development, all of these things, I think, are going to be huge to expanding the player base, expanding the engagement around these game titles and changing the way we consume media and sport as this generation identifies it. One last question before we wrap up with some quick calls to action. Um, I want to ask about the role of government because uh, new emerging innovation-focused future economy sectors in Canada have uh, always benefited and sometimes been, been driven by uh, government support. So do you see a recognition by government in whether federally or provincially in Canada, of the importance or potential importance for our future economy uh, in the esports sector? And are you, what kind of support do you think is needed for Canada to really excel and lead in this space? Well, look, I mean, this industry is by definition tech. And so, um, you know, certainly Ontario um, has had a, a strong posture around development of tech in its, um, as an exportable expertise, you know, of this province and by extension, this country. And so, you know, I would expect and, and I think we could realistically should expect that you'll see support for our industry in some of the same ways. There will be, as you point out, industries and developmental technologies that spring around gaming and, and esports broadly that I, I think um, will be, you know, supported in the same ways that we've watched other tech um, innovations uh, be developed and sprung from, from this part of the country. In in the context of players, I think government does have a role to play here. You know, there's there's certainly historically been a number of conversations around what I'll term some of the stereotypes are for gaming and, and you know, less so esports in a particular sense. 
Um, but, you know, some of the stereotypes that go with kids in basements playing endless hours and not being as a result mentally or physically fit in the ways that we should reasonably expect, you know, young people to be developing. I think those are, I think they're, I think it's an overused trope, frankly. I think that's changing. And I think, you know, universities are now offering scholarships to kids that have competencies in these ways because they know that their brain development is such that they're, you know, prone to be, um, uh, you know, strong developmental opportunities for them in, in engineering and, and other sciences and, and, and so on. So, again, I think it's overused. But at the same time, we can't ignore that the government should have a role to play in leading the conversation about what it means to be overall physically and mentally fit. And, and I think we, frankly, as an organization, have some responsibility to that as a leading brand in the industry to think about these things with our marketing partners as well. From an ESG perspective, um, you know, our, our investors and our fans should reasonably expect that we're looking in on these things and developmenting strategies for that. And, you know, logically in this country, we look for partners in government to support that as best we can. The other thing I'll say, and this is more, uh, this is more from a sports perspective, because, of course, my near nine years at the Olympic Committee puts me in a place where I think about this thing, these things. But there is certainly an opportunity for grassroots development around gaming and around path to pro in esports. And, you know, not dissimilar to the way we've seen Sport Canada support organizations like archery or, you know, Canada soccer or or Canada basketball. I think similarly, our, our sport partners in government, particularly at the federal level, should be starting to think about the opportunities for grassroots development in an organized fashion that can take place here in this country to set Canada apart from a player development and talent ID strategy. And I think, frankly, they're going to be well served if they can get on board with that sooner than later. So again, as we think about the developmental opportunities around any sport in this country, uh, I would equally challenge our government to be thinking about how they can play a role in grassroots development of esports in a healthy way, in a way that makes sense to one's mental and physical well-being, but with an eye to developing a strategy to set Canada apart on a global stage. I personally believe that we'll see esports in the Olympic program in some form or fashion as soon as LA. Uh, that games will be in 2028. And I would be shocked if esports or gaming broadly in some form um, isn't a part or isn't sitting adjacent to the Olympic and Paralympic Games in that year. Wow. Okay. I'll be honest. I'm surprised by that. Um, I'm I'm not a gamer. I'm not a I'm not within that space. So for me, those are two worlds colliding that, from my limited perspective, I, I never thought would. But I, I I respect your background and your opinion. I look forward to LA and seeing where we're at. <laughs> Me too. Let's wrap it up with some quick calls to action. Uh, I'm I'm looking for what you think uh, different stakeholders within Canada need to do now uh, to contribute to best positioning Canada within the future of esports. Let's start with the esports industry itself. Uh, what do you think you and your your colleagues within it have to do? Yeah, I, I think you know I like to think that most days we're underway with doing all the important things, but uh, I would say. Primarily, like for any, like the development of any sport or any new industry, um, we have a role to play here at Overactive Media and just growing audience and growing participation. Um, we have research that tells us 71% of Gen Zs not only play, but watch. And, you know, I can tell you that in those early days of the Raptors, we would have loved a statistic like that. So 
that's a huge opportunity for us to be growing audience around these esports and around our teams in particular. And that's one that we focus on and take seriously every day in, in the different ways that we engage both on behalf of our team brands, but also on behalf of our, our marketing partners. So I think for all of us, you know, we say around here all the time, we're not just building a company. We have a hand in building a global industry. And, you know, it starts at home with the good work that you need to do to develop audience growth. And, and so we're working every day at that. I think we've already touched on um, some of those other issues that I think are, um, you know, often um, often thought of to be issues of, of the industry. Things like again, mental and physical wellness uh, for the player base, grassroots development in in ways that make sense to building healthy young people in this country, and longer term, again, a strategy for talent identification and player development and path to pro and. Um, and, you know, again, if we believe, as I do, in an Olympic context, a path for athletes to graduate to national team representation in whatever games, you know, get developed and decided, putting esports squarely in the conversation as sport. You know, we think of our athletes here as just that, athletes. We expect them to think about their sleep and their hydration, how they uh, feed and water themselves, how they nurture their spirit as long as they're phys- alongside their physical abilities. They practice certainly and commit long hours in many of the same ways that any athlete would to be experts in their craft. So, again, this is a this is a fundamental um, opportunity in those ways, and we should count on all of us that are in the industry and certainly working with government in the context of sport to to develop strategies for that. Uh, I, I guess finally, I would say um, we need to be mindful of uh, media's role in all of this, and and again, this is. This is not an industry that relies on traditional media. This is an industry that, you know, does not show up on TSN or on Sportsnet, but rather, um, you know, plays on Twitch and YouTube and ultimately, I'm sure, other channels. Um, But there is a a very significant over-the-top strategy being developed right now for all kinds of content and entertainment that I think esports will play a big role in. So I think as years go by, you're going to see esports and gaming and however we define it over the next decade arrive to those platforms because those are the platforms that are most relevant to this generation of fans. And so those of us in the industry need to be thinking about new new ways to capture that audience on those platforms, I think. Any other stakeholders that you would have a call to action to before we wrap up? Well, my constant challenge to the commercial side of our business is you know, again, if you're if you're a young chief marketing officer, let's say in your early 30s, then you understand the opportunity that we see here every day at Overactive Media. If you're uh, older and perhaps haven't been exposed to gaming, you don't, you know, you're not a gamer yourself, or you're not um, you're not paying close attention to the industry trend in the way we've been talking about today. Then I honestly feel like you're missing an opportunity. And so, I think again, from a commercial perspective. If you're not a chief marketing officer, losing sleep at night, figuring out how you're going to attach yourself authentically and in a connected way to this generation of fans, then then you're you're missing it. And if you're not thinking about esports and gaming as one way to do that, then you're really coming up short. And so I think one of the great tasks that we have every day, and again, we're winning a lot of time these days, is convincing big brands that are non-endemic to the space that this is something worth taking account of. And and again, I like to think with the addition of those that I've mentioned in the 24 of family of partners that we have around the world, we're, we're winning that discussion more than we're losing these days. 
Awesome. Well, look, I really appreciate the conversation, Chris. It was definitely an entertaining one, and I very much look forward to seeing how this space evolves. Thank you for your time. Thanks very much. Appreciate your time, Tim. Thanks for joining us on the FutureEconomy.ca's podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss upcoming crucial conversations about our economic future. And please consider leaving a rating or review. Also, make sure to visit our website, thefutureeconomy.ca, for more in-depth content from the leaders shaping Canada's future economy. And sign up for our newsletter to be notified of new releases as soon as they're out. Finally, if you value what we do, tell a friend or two about us. We'd really appreciate the support. See you next time.